but the overall feel is working farms, agriculture, the agritourism piece, and then there are these prime soils, prime farmland soils that need to be preserved, and there's a way to preserve that. It also preserves the local economy. Have you heard this story? No. So the guy who built this farm was out here, and the guy who lived here had prior water rights, so he had senior water rights, and the Colorado militia wasn't going to have it, and they came out they were ready to kill him. Guns ablazing. Guns ablazing. <laughs> and they, they, you know, hunkered down, and there was a gun battle that ensued. Some of them were kind of funny, but, you know, like goat yoga is a thing. <laughs> right, yeah. What is goat yoga? It's what? literally just... You've never heard of goat yoga? <laughs> no. Oh. It's a tool that, that goes against all common law since we you know since england owned everything that we owned it preserves it in perpetuity so it's a way to say that this area will continue to be farmland forever all right welcome back to edible economy i'm nate and i'm kim and today we are talking ag preservation, uh, district planning. Uh, we got Promoting local food production. It's a lot rolled into this, isn't there? Yes. So we are with Annalie Barabay. Nope. Barabay. Barabay. Dang it. <laughs> we've already gone over this maybe 30 or 40 times since we've known Annalie. <laughs> So, so before, welcome. Thank you. And before we jump in, welcome. Um, I'd like to say thanks for listening to us. Uh, some of the best things you can do, please share and take the time, write a review. That helps us out tremendously. And, you know, let your let your grandma know about us so when she's just hanging out, she can listen to us. Yeah. Show her how to use podcasts, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Nope. No. No. All right. So, Annalie, welcome. Thank you. So, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) Who is this lady at the other end of the table today? So, I am the Agriculture Innovation Specialist. Um, It is a joint position with Adams County and the city of Brighton. And that's in Colorado. In Colorado. Yes. Yes. Um, There are other Brightons, but Brighton, Colorado specifically. And... I've been at the job for over over a year, almost a year and a half, uh, working to um, implement the district plan that y'all mentioned. Okay. All right. And yeah. So let's dive in. Let's talk about the district plan. What is the district plan? Because you know what it sounds like. We, we've yeah. talked a little bit about yeah. this. It sounds... It sounds like a quarantined area, like District 9 is what I think <laughs> of, or, or it sounds, I mean, it, it could be games. so many different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that it's actually related to agriculture is not the first 43rd that comes to my mind. It's true. But the district plan <laughs> is actually super cool. So tell us, tell us about what it. is it yeah so the district plan um is a plan to preserve agricultural land encourage local food production and promote agritourism in the south brighton area of colorado and the the name is is basically a a result of it being about multiple things and not you know, not knowing how to characterize it and wanting to get something out there. So we're working on a plan to to change the the name of the area. But right now, basically, the plan is a the district plan is a plan that was adopted in 2016 by both Adams County and the city of Brighton. And it identified a specific geographic area south of Brighton that um, maybe you can put a map on. Uh, yeah, we'll the, put a map yeah. on the yeah. website for sure. But it's basically twenty um, seventh to the east, Bromley Lane to the north, I eighty or eighty five, and um, a little bit of South Platte River to the west, and then four seventy to the south. So it's a pretty specific, relatively small area with a good amount of prime farmland and senior water rights and agriculture 
heritage agriculture still going on and really just a you know a, a really unique area with farm stands and um an agritourism feel to it already and something that both the city and the county identified for a long time before the plan was actually adopted and created um identified this area as a place to preserve and and focus on okay so that's cool basically they just don't want the land to be bought by developers and be a sea of rooftops yeah yeah it's you know the vision for the area is is dynamic and there's there's you know kind of room for a number of different things within that but the overall feel is you know working farms agriculture the agritourism piece realizing that you know that's already going on in this area and that's a good way for some farmers to you know diversify and add income uh, and to bring tourism and and those tourism dollars to the area and then thinking about all the the parts of food production and uh, you know processing and distribution and, and ensuring that that can also exist in the area too. So along with residential, because you know mm-hmm. it, as we know, you know Colorado is growing and and there is definitely that demand for residential, um, and that can coexist with agriculture yeah, if done right. Definitely. But it yeah it, it you know the idea is there are these prime soils prime farmland soils that need to be preserved and there's a there's a way to preserve that that also preserves the local food culture and the the local food economy and it it. is like prime land i mean it's surrounded by some major highways and it's this you know south adams county south brighton so it's the closest to denver too Mm -hmm. so it's definitely good a good location to keep and yeah coming to Adams County and Brighton in the Eastern Plains, if there was a hurricane of development leaving the city of Denver, it is headed northeast with the eye of the hurricane going directly over Brighton. It's, um, you know, for a city of 40,000 people, they have 10,000 rooftops that are, I think, are going to be completed within the next 12 months. So imagine your city increasing in 20 25% population wise in what a yeah. year and a, a half year. that's yeah. crazy to mm-hmm. think about so uh i want to unpack a couple of things that you said so uh senior water rights so explain to folks what that is what are senior that's water fair. rights yeah that's a very colorado and western specific thing right. but prior appropriation yeah, yeah. yep <laughs> so I'm no expert and I don't want to go too far into it because there are people that know a lot more than I do, but it's a, it's a very important part of agriculture in this area. These prime farmlands are listed as prime farmland if irrigated. If they're not irrigated, then there you're, you drastically, drastically limit what you can do, what you can grow on those, on those lands. So the fact that the water rights here are, are pretty senior means that, um, you know, Farmers here can ensure that they they get water from the South Platte River before other people down downstream right. and can irrigate their their crops with some degree of certainty. There's definitely no, you know, there's no certainty there and it varies from year to year and there are always challenges within that. But um, the fact that there are those water rights here and that, you know, they they have some seniority to them means that this area has continue to be used as agriculture and, and can continue to be used as agriculture as long as those water rights stay attached to that property and, and continue to irrigate that property. Yes. And people can actually sell those water rights and it's it's mm-hmm. happened over and over again. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just going to throw in just a little bit about the water. So for our listeners out there, it, it's a system called prior appropriation and it's almost, and it might actually be a long time ago when we became a state we had a list essentially and you you know staked your claim to your water and you're listed one through however many and the higher up you know the i guess the lower the you, you when your number is smaller higher up the list you have rights over everybody else and so you may have right 17 and your neighbor may have right 5,000. And even though your neighbor is closer to the source of the water, he or she will have to watch that water go by Mm 
while you at number 17 get to take all of your water out before they do. Um, and it's, there was actually, so side note here on this property, um, we're, we're actually at the Bromley farm today doing the podcast and it, and it's in Brighton. And, um, there was a small skirmish over water rights. I don't, do you, do you, has anybody ever told us the time or, you know, or not the time, but the date? I mean, it was no. in the late 1800s. Late 1800s, and yes. And the guy who built this farm, have you heard this story? No. So the guy who built this farm was out here, and the Colorado militia came to, they were not happy with the way that the water rights were working, but the guy who lived here had prior water rights, so he had senior water rights, and the Colorado militia wasn't going to have it, and they came out. They were ready to kill him. Guns ablazing. Guns ablazing. <laughs> and they they, you know, hunkered down and there was a gun battle that ensued where uh, with the o- with, with the, the m- owner, Emmett Bromley and, and his, his brother, brother Martin. Uh-huh. And they were out in the in the barn, holed up in the barn like the Wild West. <sighs> and they they had a gun battle and they fought it out, but nobody I don't think anybody got killed. But what happened is it got dark. And Emmett Bromley told his brother, he said, hey, just shoot every so often to keep their attention. And Emmett Bromley got on his horse and rode off in the night to where their main encampment was. And nobody was there because they were all here. None of the Colorado militia. And he burned down their encampment. And the war was over. Because <laughs> they had That nothing. is a good illustration of the importance of water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Water wars. Now, They're think, still going on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, they, there's not really gun battles that ensue, but, right. you know, that's in 2018. Maybe in 2030, there we don't be. figure some stuff out. <laughs> so so there's that one. Yep. That was a, a fun wow. side note. Um, but what about agritourism? Explain what, what is agritourism? Why is it important to this area? Sure. So, yeah, so agritourism essentially is agricultural tourism, tourism that focuses on um, farms and farm-related activities. So it can be a whole whole bunch of different things right. from farm tours, farm festivals, you pick opportunities to... Uh, weddings at farms. Weddings at farms, farm stands... The American Ninja Pumpkin Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's at a farm, right? <laughs> um, and yeah, it's it's something that was identified relatively recently as something that you know folks were interested in doing, but it's really taken off, and you know, it's all over the world. I was in Italy last fall, and they have a whole agriturismo website and and a whole bunch of different places you can go did you do some of them i did one of them i did a few of them yeah oh gosh but i guess even even going to farms to drink wine yep a wine tour so Mm -hmm. farm to table napa yeah farm to table but like napa could be the the same type of thing absolutely yeah so it's it's a huge sector of of tourism and and one that um a lot of individual farmers have have taken up because it's it's a way to diversify and bring money into the farm through another means. And it's, I mean, some of them are kind of funny, but you know, like goat yoga is a thing. Right? Yeah. What is goat yoga? It's what? literally just. You've never heard of goat yoga? <laughs> no. Oh, it's yoga with goats. <laughs> yoga in a. I've done it. It's a. It's you just do it. It, you do yoga in a field with goats walking around and jumping on your back, and it's ridiculous. Do the do the goats come and crawl on you while you're doing yeah. it? Yeah. They're pretty – they're like dogs, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're cute. They're really cute. There's puppy yoga too, but that's a whole there... different story. But it's – you know, <laughs> anything to get, in this case, you know, millennials or – or folks out of the city out to the farm and do something kind of kitschy and different that they post on Instagram and then right and they pay fifteen dollars to do it. You know, it's it's a yeah. It adds a little income for yep. in some cases very little work. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I gotta know is there some kind of goat pose? Oh, I don't know actually. I think is you could like do a, a lot cow with face or something. Right. I don't know if there's a cat goat cow. Pose. You could. Yeah, there, there's a lot you could do with it in terms of puns. <laughs> I'm looking look it up. up. Yeah, I'm finding whether or not there's a... I don't think there's a goat... A goat pose. Mountain goat 
because there's mountain pose. Sure. Yeah. I could go on. Huh. <laughs> Five yoga poses named after goats. Oh, it says that we just made up. Lame. So. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> but it's but that's what we just, like to do. It is, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it brings people to the area and, you know, while you're, you know, here picking apples or, you know, picking blackberries, then you can go into town, have a have a beer at a brewery or stay at a hotel or, you know, it, it just right. brings people to the area to to experience more of what that what that area has to offer. So it's it's one of the things that this this area was identified for as, you know, as a as an asset that can be used as an economic driver too in terms of tourism. That's really I remember when I was younger, it was uh the hot tourism thing was uh was ecotourism and you still see a lot of ecotourism, but you're seeing even some of the ecotourism is now kind of melding into agritourism and I've heard about it in South America Mm -hmm. um but you know obviously sounds like Italy I mean that's a prime spot for it pretty much all over Europe probably yeah yeah and I think there's a lot of the same principles with ecotourism and agritourism and hopefully agritourism is ecotourism because you don't want to be going in and creating a huge footprint with on a farm that you're going to visit yeah true yeah right probably a lot of the same principles so one other topic that you that you mentioned was was conservation easements. I think these are really cool. It's an amazing uh, real estate tool to be able to preserve the land. Can you talk about conservation easements for a minute? Yeah. So we are actually in the process of putting together um, a toolkit related to the topic of conservation easements. Um, and kind of as a resource for folks in the um, landowners in the district plan area, but really anywhere, um, to look at, you know, what what do I want the future of my property to be? And, you know, it's just a resource for folks to, to look at and, and think about. But essentially, conservation easements are, um, so you have a, a, a bundle of, of sticks, um, bear with me on this analogy, but this <laughs> no, is the, this is like the conservation like easement analogy. That yeah. I know. So uh, you have this bundle of sticks on your property and each stick represents a, a different um, right that you have on your property. So you have mineral rights, water rights, development rights, um, all these all these rights that you Timber, can do on your property. Soil, everything. Yep. Yeah. And what essentially what a conservation easement does is it takes your development rights and and um removes them from your property so you still own that property and you can still do you know a number of activities on that property but the conservation easement restricts development and some things related to that on your property so um so you can in your specific conservation easement you can say we can have structures in this area. We can do these activities related to agriculture. A lot of times people think of conservation easements, and I thought of this when I first learned about them, is they completely restrict anything and everything has to be pristine and, um, you know, no um, no development, no people on it, no nothing. Yeah. But really, uh, especially in the case of agricultural conservation easements, they want the 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 purpose is is to preserve agriculture on that property so you can continue to farm you can continue to operate in structures related to the farm but maybe you can't build additional structures or you can't um or maybe you can or maybe you can't yeah yeah but maybe only in a certain area but what it does is it says this this property will never be you know um, we'll never have a bunch of houses on it or, or it will never um, be a golf course be a golf course yeah. or or something like that yeah. so it doesn't necessarily say say that it will continue to stay in active agriculture because you can't you can't necessarily you maybe you you could but in most cases they don't say this has to be farmed but you know the idea is it it allows it to continue to be farmed. So we have a few in the area in the district plan 
area that I mentioned, um, a few properties that are under conservation easement. Some of those were put under conservation easement by a private landowner. Others were um, put under conservation easement by um, the city of Brighton who acquired the, the land, put a conservation easement on it, and is now leasing it back out. But it's a way to, to you know, it preserves it in perpetuity. So it's a way to say yeah. that this area will continue to be farmland forever and enable the price of the land to, to if the land is to be then sold, to, to be sold at a price where another farmer could purchase it and use it for agriculture as opposed to purchasing purchasing it at a a, you know a highest and best use development price and it's it's really cool because land generally you cannot do things that restrict land in perpetuity so it's a tool that I, i can't remember when it was developed but it was a it's a tool that that goes against all common law since we you know since england owned everything that we owned so it's a really really neat thing and it's the i think it's the only thing like it um that allows you to restrict land in perpetuity yeah go ahead so let's say you know grandma and grandpa have this farm and then it's going to get passed down to the children and grandchildren but um they really, that's like what they're giving their grandchildren to sell and make money. Yeah. So that's that's the offside of it, right? I mean, that's the other side yeah. of it. It doesn't go into a conservation easement. People sell it and make lots of money for their family. So how do you get people to not do that? Because that, I can't yeah. see anyone not wanting to do that, mm-hmm. really. They have to really care about farmland, and they just have yeah, to really it, it's care so about it, it takes a, a particular situation, and it takes you know if if it's going to stay in private ownership, um, like say your scenario where they're passing it down to the next generation, um, there would have to be some some value there that says you know, this has a history of farming, a heritage of farming, and, and we want to see that heritage continue. And, you know, you what you what you can think you can think about it another way in that the uh, you can lower the, the burden and the taxes to that to your you know to, to your heirs okay. by putting it under a conservation easement. because um, then the, the property is, you know, the the value of that property changes. Oh, okay. Um so there's there's benefit there, but certainly not the same as if you were to say, here, take this and, and sell it, it for development. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because that's what happened to the farm we're sitting at. Right. The land was sold. Mm-hmm. Then the city yeah. bought back this 10-acre piece, but the rest of the, all this land around us is owned by a developer now. Yeah. Right. And then the other, and part of the reason for doing this toolkit that we're putting together is um, there are a few ways to think about it. So that's one way. Um, is that if you want to see you know this land that's been in your family for generations stay in agriculture, you have this opportunity to put it under a conservation easement, um, you know get a get a sum of money for selling those development rights. If you, you can donate it or sell it, if you sell it, you you get a you know you get a chunk of money for that, and then you pass that land on, and, you know, with lower taxes and and goes to the next generation. Another way to think about it is if you have a, a value around this you want this land to stay in private ownership um and you want it to stay in agriculture then then you can reduce the price of that land by reducing the value of that land by saying it can it has a conservation easement on it now it can't be sold for development and then another farmer can purchase it at a price that you know is affordable to continue in farming and then the third option is if you 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 don't necessarily care what happens to it, but maybe you have an idea that it would be kind of cool if this land continued to be agricultural. Mm-hmm. Then you can do what what has happened in some cases here and, and sell it to the city or the Perfect. county, yep. and there's you're you're selling it at you know at a the a fair price at okay, the price so you're still for development, fair and price. then they oh. the city or the county puts it under that conservation easement and takes care of all that. So you're selling the property as if you know, it, it is developable. So you get that price for it. Okay. So I didn't think that was happening. Yeah. So, so that's, so, you know, the, the city and the county have, um, 
sought grants and, and gotten grants to help do this because this is expensive yeah, to do. But there's real expensive. value there because it's preserving the land in this area that has, you know, been is identified. Is that how so conservation hard. easements work or or th- that's the way that the city is, is city and, and county are doing that? Yeah, and it's not unique to, to this city and county. Um, you know, certainly other areas uh, have done it as well. But I think how a lot of people think about conservation easements and probably still how the majority of them happen around the state and around the country is that folks will donate a conservation easement and get a tax benefit for that. And then with the idea that, you know, there's a legacy there and, you know, they want that property to stay in conservation. And and a lot of times it's big ranches and big, um, Mm -hmm. you know, big swaths of land in, in, you know, parts of the, the state that are you know, maybe near national parks or connecting big parcels so that there are these big swaths of I like how land. the city and county are doing it. That's a, mm-hmm. that's a unique way of, of utilizing conservation easements. As, uh, I've not, I actually yeah. haven't heard of that. Well, it makes me think even more highly of them, you know? I, and well, like... we've said this so many times. I, I'm from Kentucky originally, and they have... They used all of their tobacco settlement money, not all of it, but they used massive portions of their tobacco settlement money to retool tobacco farmers into local food producers. And the tobacco farmers just said, no, we're done. We're just not going to do anything anymore. And so the, the state has this giant pot of money that it's put out to help small local farmers. And when I say small, I mean three quarters of an acre, a half an acre. And they have hundreds of these farms and there's all kinds of policy around that. It's really cool. But the citizens in Kentucky, they just, they don't really care. Um, So you have the government doing the right thing and the citizens not caring. And then here in Colorado, it's, it was the exact opposite, where the citizens demanded local food and demanded all this stuff. And then the policy makers were, well, you know, you've got some local farms out there. Go ahead. But now you have something like the district plan, which is it's really Helping unique. to turn that. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. It's really unique. It's one of the more forward-thinking ones. And I think I told you this the other day, or it was either you or Wayne or that that's somebody on our board, is that the district plan should be getting more recognition than it does because it's really doing some super forward thinking things and uh, and more like counties should be doing it oh yeah yeah for sure yeah. especially in colorado yes because <laughs> the demand is there for people to do it and i know it butts up against farmers sometimes um but the farmers are i think there's a lot of them are coming around to say hey we don't want this to just be you know to call the farm that we're on uh, a subdivision. A subdivision and be like, <laughs> that's Bromley Farms. Where's the farm? I see houses and cul-de-sac. Oh, well, it used to be a farm, so we call it Bromley Farms because it's a great name. It's making <laughs> yeah. more than a name, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So tell us exactly. more about the toolkits. I want to start with the Farm to School toolkit and talk a little bit about Farm to School. Yeah. So one of the things we kind of identified, so the district plan, as it's written, has about 35 tactics, implementation strategies to implement that vision of the plan, preserving farmland, encouraging local food, uh, promoting agritourism. About about 35 tactics within there, ranging from... It's a lot of tactics. It's a lot of tactics. (laughs) It's a lot lot, of objectives. It's a lot to do. And so... You know, there, there was, we kind of identified what's the low-hanging fruit, if you will, uh, in terms of things that we can do, and how do we just get started on some of these? Um, and so one of the tactics, actually four of the tactics, relate to farm to school, because, you know, there is a real opportunity there. It's something that you hear a lot of talk about in the, in the local food world and sure. beyond, yeah. because it's important for health, it's important for educating you know kids about the importance of of farms and and eating healthy and all those things and it actually also can provide benefits to the agricultural economy as well um so there's in the district plan it talks about um education around healthy food it talks about uh farm to school procurement it talks about salad bars in schools and it talks about 
or four. There's another one. And then there's another one. <laughs> and it's super important. School gardens. It is super oh, it important. It is super important. Yeah. <laughs> How did I forget school gardens? Because <laughs> so that's farm at school, like, not farm to school, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I kind of, when I think about it, and a lot of folks think about it this way, farm to school kind of is the umbrella that covers all those things. Um, it's not just the procurement piece, but it's everything related to growing food and eating healthy I'm glad to hear that because yeah we we've spent some time with some farm to school stuff um we were presenters in Austin a few years back yes Um, it's all it it all comes down to procurement though but and that's That's yeah yeah huge part of it but I like that they're they're thinking more along the lines of ag at school I think that's a I wish I would have had that when I was in school me too you know, yeah. did you guys have it at all? No. Yeah, I think that's really neat. So what are some what are some opportunities that you're seeing with farm at school? Yeah, so what what we focus on with this toolkit was what are the resources that are out there that exist? What are the organizations that exist? What are the initiatives that these that schools locally can take advantage of? And just put that all into onto a front and back sheet to to say that you know, th- this is stuff that's local to this area, and this is these are ways that you can get involved, and these are some of the easy, um, quote unquote, first steps that you can take. So, participate in Colorado Proud School Meal Day, or um, when is that? That was September twelfth. September twelfth. Oh, sweet! And this is October is Farm to School Month. Sweet. So you got a whole season of <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> Like, what do they do for Farm to School Month? How, what is that going now? So there's all kinds of initiatives. Um, the National Farm to School um, Network, I believe it is, yep. puts out a lot of resources. A lot of nonprofits put out resources. Um, some so of those trying to talk about agriculture in school because they're mm-hmm. not really. Yeah, and and talking about things that you know have been brought in that are that are local to the okay. area. Um, I was reading something the other day about uh, inviting farmers to come in and have lunch with the students, trying different foods. So, you know, having a table set up at lunchtime where kids can come and try something that maybe they've never, you know, a beet. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Perfect example. Yeah, (laughs) I did when I was a kid. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And so... This yeah, this is just kind of a jumping off set point and a first step and a chance for us to engage with the with the schools and with the nonprofits and um, the organizations that are um, in this world and and trying to make some connections and and see what comes out of it. So, um, the farm to school toolkit yeah it was just a is just a collection of resources, um, but it enabled us to have some of those initial conversations with primarily Twenty Seven J and Adams Twelve. What are they currently Which are school doing? School district in Adams County. Yes. Um, in this district plan area specifically, to just talk about what are they doing already, what what would be an easy next step, um, mm-hmm. and you know recognizing how challenging it is to be a teacher, to be an administrator in a in a school, all the things that you already have to deal with, and and this being one more thing, but one thing that you know how do we present it in a way that it can have other value to a teacher, you know, putting it in their lesson plan and, and not adding extra work, but it's something that is already fulfilling a requirement for them or, um, you know, making it easy to highlight produce that you're already getting that t- certain times of year that's local, but it's just go- coming from the distributor, same as everything else. How do we pick that out and say, hey, this is something that is local yeah, right now. Yeah, we could do, yeah. And, and, you know, providing that as an educational opportunity. So. There's a lot within that, and, and there's, you know, a, a lot of room for, for growth, and there's already great things going on. But, uh, you know, at this point, we we just decided the first step, get a resource list out there, engage and have those initial conversations, and then continue to, you know, check back in and, and see how we can support these efforts going on. And ultimately, the procre- procurement piece is really important. So how do we, you know, how do we facilitate some of that and and what are the barriers and what are the challenges and what are the opportunities so that yeah so that's the farm to school toolkit which is on our website so is is um farm to school month is that national or is that 
That's national, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. A lot of these things are national initiatives, and it's I'm on a couple of listservs, so you see things popping up from all over the country that they're doing. One of the things that I remember uh, was always a challenge or was always talked about as a challenge is, well, all of the produce and everything happens while kids are not in school. But that's – it's just not so true. I mean, there's some things mm-hmm. for sure, you know, peaches, but they're still around in September. Um, but it's it's interesting because people think, well, summer traditionally – was you took off there was a summer because kids needed to go work the farm um i mean at least that's what's been said i'm thinking about the the light and time change right now and you're and everybody's saying that well time change is for the farmers and her her grandfather yeah. said it's for the golfers yeah <laughs> he hated the time change he said it was for the golfers those lazy people they don't get up and milk cows at four in the morning <laughs> but anyway it's uh, uh it, it is true that most of the produce and the harvest, I mean, we have harvest moon and harvest seasons take place in September, October, and even November when you get further south. Well, and that's why I say the procurement part is the hardest because mm-hmm. you you can grow it locally and then, but then like within the school district, how do you maybe preserve the peaches or the strawberries that are coming in earlier for use through the school year? And it can happen. Totally. It just needs to be figured out. Because schools are using tons yeah. of strawberries, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> the kids would love it. They They're would delicious. love it. I'm just and joking. they could be just, you know, yeah. packed in water and still be healthy and... I mean, they're going to be healthier than a Rice Krispie treat. Yeah, think about how you much know? extra land all of the schools have that, that is just completely not used. They should throw up right. greenhouses all over the And then that's schools. where I was going next. There's yeah. greenhouses and then, yeah. God, that to would help be sweet. Preserve. And there's some schools that do that and it's awesome. Like yeah. that's a, a curriculum, but that's the more the high schools and the older mm-hmm. kids. And Yeah. Yeah, but you, I mean, you touched on kind of the, the key kind of not argument, but the challenge Yeah, is is how those seasons align. But there is a lot of opportunity there and, and there's a lot of creative ways to think about it. But I think, you know, a lot of the value comes from the education component when you think about schools. And so, you know, if they're, if they're starting seeds before they leave for a summer vacation and, and they're, you know, in a, in a school garden and then they, there's a few families that take care of them over the summer and then they come back and they've got these huge pumpkins when they come back in August or September. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, there there's there's still some some cool educational opportunities there yeah. and there's there's I mean that ha- that's what happens at our son's school. And then so it happens third grade, end of third grade they plant it. They get to harvest it at the beginning of fourth grade and then they make this huge harvest meal for the class. And it's amazing. It's awesome. It yeah, is. That is yeah. so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, so it's, you know, thinking a little creatively about that because that that is an issue, especially in terms of procurement, but there you were touching on there are ways to preserve it and there are ways especially if you have some storage space, but there are some school districts that have gotten really creative in how to use that that produce and um preserve it to to use throughout the year and um and there can be some benefits economically by purchasing in in season and um, in purchasing more locally, if you if you catch things at the right time, you're getting a, a very good quality for yeah you know a, a reasonable price. Or at least price. just do as much as you can while stuff is in season. Yeah. Instead of saying, oh well, we can't do it all year, so we're yeah. not going to do it any of the year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> I mean, all but that's what you see. Yeah. Right. It's all or nothing. It's either Cisco or everything local. So what what are some other toolkits that you guys have? So the other one that we finalize, we have right now, is the Farmland Preservation Toolkit. And this kind of okay. ties in with the Conservation Easement Toolkit. So one of the tactics in the district plan was, was uh, it, it said, basically come up with a, a matrix of guiding principles for... Uh, preserving and acquiring farmland in the dis- in in the district plan area. Okay. And so we took that and, and put that into a toolkit to say these are all of the potential considerations that the city or the county will um, make when 
acquiring a piece of land for preservation for agriculture in the district plan area. So it's, you know, it, it just lists kind of a whole bunch of, of different different pieces, different uh, characteristics of a piece of land that might make it a priority for the city or the county to say, we should keep this in agriculture. So it's things okay. like the water rights being attached to the land, um, whether it's prime farmland soils, whether it's connected or or you know, adjacent to other preserved properties. There's a thought of the kind of scenic view shed coming up 85 and, and how, you know, you can see farmlands off the highway and it's kind of that, that break or that entry, entryway to Brighton. So preserving farmland along that corridor and that view shed. Um, so there's a number of considerations and it's it's kind of just a resource again to farmers and landowners in the area and really just anyone who's curious to say okay this is what the city and the county is thinking about when we are looking at properties and maybe making a determination of which which properties are are a higher priority for preservation so how big is the district plan how many how many acres um i want to say it's a it's around nine miles. Nine square miles? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's big. Exactly. That's really big. And does it, how many have been? Or five. I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that. Okay. How much, do you know how much has been preserved already or? Like how many acres? A few hundred acres maybe. A few hundred. That's yeah, good. great. Yep. How long have you been, how long has it been going? So some of that was preserved before the district plan was actually adopted. Okay. Um, and those properties being acquired by the city of Brighton and preserved goes back at least 10 years. Okay. But there's been a few in recent years and, and one, um, two after the district plan was adopted okay. um, that, that have, have been preserved and hopefully more in the, in the pipeline. So when they're getting preserved and then um, how yeah. does the, how does the district plan figure out how to keep like do they lease it out to people how do you find people to farm it how does that work or is that kind of a work in process it's a work in process i would say uh, the city of brighton has up to this point been doing all of the leases and so um the parks and recreation department has a, a system and a process and that they've been operating under um and you know that that might change over time and there um, might be some properties in the future that Adams County actually manages and, and leases out. So I think that there will be some um, exploration of, of how that works in the future. But for right now, it's it's been the city of Brighton's uh, system of, of leasing it out and, and ensuring that there are farmers to, to, you know, manage and take care of that land and farm and um, utilize it. Great. Okay. Okay. So let's move. Uh, let's move on to what's next for, for the district plan. And, and uh, oh, like the wayfinding. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And just for all of our our listeners who can't see this amazing stuff that's happening right now, we have a uh, new working cat at the farm. And um, <laughs> in podcasts in the past, Root has been uh, Root, our dog, has, has been a good mascot, and he's. He's brought some interesting smells with him. He's he's tripped over some cords and laid under the table on people's feet. But now we are blessed with a kitty that is, uh, <laughs> she's jumping on the production team right now. <laughs> and scaring them. Yeah. <laughs> From under the table. So yeah. just, oh, if you, it's so nice. If you've heard any awkward pauses, it's because we're looking over at the cat like, oh my goodness, is it going to... Pull the cords, <laughs> step on the computer, delete the podcast. So anyway, Jeez. back to our regularly scheduled program. Um. So new things going on, like yeah. you said, branding and wayfinding. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. So this is really exciting. This is something that um, is came out of looking at a, a few of the tactics in the district plan and, and saying, how, how do we best start to implement these? And... One of them relates to developing a wayfinding program for the district plan area to um, guide people into the area and show that it's an agricultural area and that there are different attractions and then um, guiding people to these different attractions. 
And as we were starting to talk about that, we realized, what are what are we going to put on the sign? Are we are we really going to put district plan area on the sign? <laughs> are people going to know what, what they're talking about? Once you enter, you cannot leave. Are people going to want to go there? <laughs> right. So we we kind of identified it then as okay, we probably need to tackle this this marketing of the area and this branding of the area sooner rather than later. Yes. Because it you know, whenever you say the district plan, it, it really is not it, it doesn't events beautiful bucolic farms. It's, yeah, it says it? it says nothing. <laughs> um and so uh the idea Makes is you think to, of paperwork, I think. Too. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Which, yeah. Which ideally not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we identified the that we need to come up with a new name and a, and a logo for the area so that it's clear what it's um what it is and and what the vision for it is and why people should go there so we developed a branding and wayfinding project that we've already gotten some funding for from the colorado tourism office nice uh, we're waiting to yeah it is nice uh, very exciting and we're waiting to get more funding hopefully to um you know, be able to do the full project. But as of right now, we will at least be developing a brand and, and logo for the district plan area and um, using a marketing firm to to do that and, and make sure that it's something that, um, you know, is, is, you know, evokes the right response and it evokes, um, you know, encourages people to, to come and to visit. So that project will be likely launching at the end of 2019, beginning of End of 2018, beginning of 2019. Oh, nice. Yeah, like, soon. We're not waiting soon. that long, are we? No. Okay, good. Um, and so we will be working on that um, next spring. And ideally, hopefully, the plan is to come out with a, a brand and a logo by the middle of, of next year, of 2019. And we're hopeful that some of that will also be through other financing a wayfinding the beginnings of a wayfinding program as well so is that like an app that kind yeah. of guides you around or something really just or? signage at this point okay it could develop into a lot of different things okay cool. um, but for right now we're just thinking about some basic signage and um and a website that directs people to there or? also something that could come across in okay. the future so this is this is just scratching the surface and and this is just kind of the first step in something that could you know, could develop into a lot of different things. And there's a lot of good examples. Um, the um, Colorado High Plains Adventure is one that we've uh, worked with closely in the past and, and are using as, as a model. They uh, basically, it's a bigger geographic area, but there's a bunch of farms and agricultural properties along I-70 East. And how do we draw people out there and, and market what the area has to offer as a whole, you know, rather than just in each individual farm doing their yeah. own marketing and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so it's That's cool. And then we should yeah. all like come together, like create this big cool brochure of all the classes, all the farm to tables, all yeah. the things we all offer. Maybe we could afford to send out a big beautiful yeah, and guide. Yeah, and have yeah. the Colorado Department of Tourism send it out to the rest of the country. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> big plans. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a there's a and yeah, there's a lot of ways it could go, and the idea is that we're just kind of doing that for a staff, and we we want people to to take it and run with it, because mm-hmm. um, as the city or the county, we're especially the county, not necessarily the in the business of of marketing, um, sure. and but there are entities that that's their specialty. So the idea is, you know, we're going to start this off. We have the, um, you know, the the resources to do that and then we'll see where it goes but at least having a better name yeah and a logo will be really really do you nice. have any uh, any any thoughts yet i have or are you just leaving uh, it to the yeah we're team? just gonna leave it to the pros there there have been some some ideas and some things um that have been kicked around but i think having a professional do it will will really come up with something that is the most um, you know, all encompassing and, and, um, savvy. Okay. So we're, we're excited to see what, what comes I, out. I want to add a little bit. So a lot of times when you're thinking, uh, federal government issues, somebody brings up an issue and you hear, Oh, you, you we're going to study that. 
we're going to study that. We're going to study that. So and I never hear what came of the study, if there ever was a study that was done. But um, you guys have uh, kind of a manual. I, I don't know what you could, you know, that thick book the, the of the plan. district plan. That's I guess the it's plan. the plan. That's of the, the plan. district the plan. plan. <laughs> and the district plan is really freaking cool. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure you've read the whole thing in, it's, yeah, it's a lot of pages. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's massive. And uh, I, I mean, I bet there could be courses that are taught just from that that book. But I, I just wanted to compliment you guys on that. It's it's pretty neat. Is that is that available? Yeah. Um, how is that available? Print and online? or Yeah. Um, I, the, probably the easiest way is to go on to our website, which is adcogov.org slash district plan. Okay. And... There's a you can download a copy of the full plan in PDF form or just the executive summary, which is only four pages, uh, which might be a good place to start. <laughs> but um, you don't get all of that rich no, you information. Don't. <laughs> yeah, and then there are also some good appendices too. So there's there's a lot to it. But the interesting thing, just to go back real quick to what you said of you know a study. Yeah. So this area was originally called out in the um, 2012 Adams County Comprehensive Plan and the Parks and Open Space Plan as the Agricultural Tourism Study Area. So it was oh. originally called out as a study and it was studied and out of it actually came the district plan. So and then oh, out of the cool. district plan was actually a realization that oh we we don't want to just write this plan and have it sit on the shelf because that's what can happen with with plans um we're, we want to actually implement this so there's a whole chapter in there called the action plan that that is all these 35 implementation strategies and then they also had the the thought to say oh, we need somebody dedicated to to do this in order to make sure that these all of these great ideas and all of these great initiatives actually happen and so that's why my position was created was to be that person who's focusing on implementing the plan and okay. that that doesn't that's pretty unique most plans don't have a, a person dedicated to them and most plans unfortunately a lot of plans don't get fully implemented well and they don't have a board to go behind them either yeah and- we have the district plan commission that was created to guide the implementation and act as ambassadors for the plan. So there, there's actually, you know, some really good support behind moving this plan from just a plan to something that's implemented and something that's living and, and you know, yeah. growing and over time. And going to happen and, and happening. And happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, but it, it started as a study. It started as, you know, just an area called out in the plan that said this might be this might be something that would be good to focus on in the future, but you know, it kept being followed up on. And there were, there were citizens too that were engaged in the process and engaged in the history of this area and how important it was to preserve that, that kept bringing it up and kept, um, you know, kept ensuring that it, it didn't get put on a shelf. So there's a lot of credit. And they're still there, too. there and dedicated yeah. to the success yep. of, of the, the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is there anything what what is there anything else that we're missing any and and maybe what any any what's next I guess So the district plan branding and wayfinding project is the big what's next that's going to be okay. a, a huge undertaking we do we will plan to hire a consultant but there's you know there's still a lot of management involved in that and and we have a pretty tight timeline to get it done so Who set that timeline Um well it was kind of set by uh the the grants the grant that we got um which is good you know it's it's good to have have a deadline and and have a you know a goal to shoot for so it doesn't just drag on yeah um but yeah (laughs) that that was a big reason for it um was ensuring that you know we we are hitting the the timeline of of the grants that we've been awarded Okay. But in terms of, you know, I, I think that the the conservation easement toolkit and then, you know, related to the toolkits and to the work that we've already done, just continuing to follow up and, and see where these go and see what other initiatives come up. Um, you know, there's there's definitely a, a lot of work still to be done. So even while that's going on, there will be other other activities and at the same time, doing public outreach and ensuring that more people know what the district plan is and wh- why it's important and how they can get involved is something that um, 
myself and other staff and the district plan commission um, have all been been working on as well. Okay. So my goal today was to have you come on and explain the district plan, what is going to be formally the district plan soon. Um, is there anything else that, that you want to put out there? Because I think it's really neat and I think it's something that uh, I want people to know about. I want people to be excited to see that you know government is is making some really cool some and really push cool their changes own communities to do yeah it. and push your push their own communities to do that i just want to make sure we're not missing anything else are we good i think we're good i can't think so of so you know what's next right yeah okay good. i i listen to the podcast <laughs> so i know <laughs> so do you want to ask today no, no. okay that would feel awkward Annalie, if you could have a message to the whole world what would it be what would you tell everybody? And remember, it does not have to be related to the district plan or, you know, quarantining people. <laughs> I, I don't know why I keep coming back to that one. A motto you live by. Yeah. So I did have some advanced time to think about this. Because nice. I did listen to the podcast and I was like, oh, they're going to ask me this question. <laughs> I am. And you I was kind of thinking specific to my work um, with the district plan and, and what we've been working on. And what I kind of kept coming back to was, you know, how did we do this and how did we start doing this? And it really is just biting off one thing at a time and, and um, you know, biting it off into smaller chunks because when you look at the whole plan and everything that's in there, it's it's overwhelming and it's it's, you know, exciting and there's so much uh, vision in there and there's yeah. so many ways it can go, but it gets overwhelming when you, when you look at that and you say, how are we going to get there? So what's really helped me to, and you know, everyone that I've been working with to, to get things done and move the ball forward is just one, one or two or three things at a time, bite something off, you know, see what you can do with it and then move on to the next thing. And you know, I think that's just kind of a general good motto for life is I, I have that tendency to look at the big picture, see everything that could be possible and get really overwhelmed about how you're going to get there. Uh -huh. And it's probably similar with you guys on the farm. And, you know, you have all these things and we could do this and we could do this and we could do this. But yeah. totally. at a certain point, you I, just I think had we to do say that every 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. 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 But at a certain point, you just have to say, <laughs> have OK, to we're going to focus somewhere. on yeah. this. And get this working well, and then yep. and then we'll do this, mm -hmm. and then we'll take on this. So that's that's something. Just biting it off one one piece at a yes. time. Okay, I like it. Yeah. I like it. I mean, you gotta live by that too, right? Yeah, it's hard, but <laughs> so I, it, it yeah. does. It's bigger than the just the lists. district plan. Yeah, yeah. Make a list and check off an item. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how yes. rewarding is that too, right? I check it and cross it out. Yeah, <laughs> maybe even use a different color. Yeah, yeah. even add things you've already done. Just oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, and then yeah. add things you've done and then cross them out as soon as you're done writing them. Yeah, that's rewarding. Yeah. I like that too. <laughs> All right, so uh, one more time, tell everybody where they can find um, find information on the district plan, and if they want to get a hold of of you to talk about, you know, I, I don't know, district planning. Sure. <laughs> Specifically related to agriculture and yeah. farmland and agritourism. with district plans. Yeah. So um, the website for the district plan is, like I said, adcogov.org slash district plan. So that's... We'll put a link to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's where you can go it, to can. find the, the plan... Also, information about information about our district plan commission meetings, okay. which happen basically every month. And when every month, um, the like? third Thursday, fourth Thursday at two p.m. Fourth Thursday. Is it okay? Fourth Thursday yep. at two p.m. Um, and that's at the Adams County Government Center in Brighton. Okay. And um, they can also reach out to me directly. I can give yeah, you all my we'll email and phone email. and mm -hmm. that would be great too i'm i'm you know always interested to hear what's going on what people are um you know what initiatives are happening what initiatives could happen and where where there's energy and where there's you know a, a place that we can plug in and help so mm -hmm. yeah 
Awesome. Hey, yeah. thank you. This is, thank this you. Is yeah. Awesome. So I know, Kim, you probably have some closing remarks. Yeah, so you can find all this information in the show notes at edibleeconomy.com and listen to the podcast through the website or wherever you listen to all your podcasts. And thanks to Morrow Media and Truth and Legend Productions and for Missy to sit here today with us and listen to it already. And play with Soxy the new cast. <laughs> Soxy the, the new cat. mouser. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks again, Annalie. Thanks for being here today. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>